I want you, if you uh, have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalms 19, uh, verse 14. We're going to continue. I'm in and out of a couple series here, so if you were here Sunday morning and we're not at the other campus, we started a a new series. I'm not going to be on that today. We're still talking about uh, faith speaks. We're going to be talking about faith again. Amen. And so uh, we're going to go over a little bit of review, but before we do, go over here to Psalm 19, verse 14. If you could put that on the screen. Boy, they're on it tonight. Hallelujah. Are you ready to get into the Word? Let's pray before we read the Scripture. Father, we thank you for uh, just another wonderful opportunity. What a privilege to come and hear the Word of God. And we know every time we do, it's just as if you were here and we were able to sit at your feet, sit at your table and feed from you. You are the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and you shepherd us, you feed us, you lead us. And we know on purpose, by the Spirit, you have a word for us. A word in due season. Hallelujah. Exactly what we need to hear for an hour like this, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You know, the Bible says when he comes back, he's coming back for a glorious church. And there's still a lot of glory to be seen. I really believe that. I don't think we've seen enough. In fact, a lot of uh, our conversation that we had today talking with some of the uh, staff and some of the ministers in the church uh, today, this morning, a lot of the stuff we've seen is a lot of smoke and mirrors. <laughs> I mean, we've just seen a lot of stuff. If we call that glory, we, we're really going to have to go into the Scripture and define what glory looks like and what it produced. And so we might start another series on that here soon. But I'm talking about some pretty wild stuff that we've seen in the Old Covenant, some wild stuff we've seen in the book of Acts. I mean, like <laughs> Peter walking by and people passing by his shadow and getting healed. I mean, stuff like that. I mean, I, I see the church really operating. Now, I, when I say the church, I'm talking about this church specifically, but there is a remnant, I believe, when I say the church, that are going to be distinguished and set apart from just mundane Christianity that are really going to carry the glory in the place where it's not just going to happen in the church, but I mean some, some crazy stuff like limbs falling off and you putting it back on. <laughs> I've seen some of that stuff in my spirit. I mean, crazy stuff that the world's going to look at and say, whoa. And then they're going to come running to Jesus. And so for that to happen, we're going to have to go back to faith. We're going to have to go back to faith and what it looks like. Faith is the conduit. I mean, it's like the conduit that, that allows the power and the glory to flow through, not only into your life, but through your ministry into the lives of others. Hallelujah. And so when we talk about faith, you can't separate faith from speaking. You can't separate the two. They go hand in hand. They go together. So we've titled this message, Faith Speaks. And so I'm on part four. So if you haven't heard most of them, any of them, or just some of them, go into, you know, our channel on YouTube, go back on there and listen to them from the beginning. We've reviewed a lot. And sometimes we're saying the same thing, 
but you know, I got, a, I, I got over the fear of preaching the same thing a long time ago. You know, Brother Hagin used to open up to the same scripture every time. But it seems like every time we do, God goes a different way with it, and you get something out of it you've never seen before. And you've got to really be careful that you don't have certain things or certain messages, you know, that you get bored with. Are you listening to me? Or like we've said every week, it becomes old hat to you. Well, I've heard that before. Well, faith don't come by heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if you got in that mode where I want to hear something new, you know, that can be very dangerous. To I heard a preacher one time, word of faith preacher. And he said, tonight I'm going to teach and preach something to you that goes beyond the nose of the word of God. I'm thinking that's very dangerous to, to, to get behind the sacred desk of God and preach anything that is beyond the word of God. That's a scary place to be. That's thin ice and you can open the door to deception. And so it's, it's very important that we get back to some of the basics. You know, the greatest, most powerful thing that ever happened in your life, the greatest miracle happened because of faith and you speaking, hallelujah, and you speaking allowed God in all of his grace and all of his power to enter into your life and radically change you. The world don't understand that until they accept Jesus. And if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you open the floodgates for God's grace to pour right into your life and change you from the inside out. Did that happen to you? Are you thankful for it? Well, then put your hands up to heaven right now. And just thank God for his grace that has changed your life. And it's because you opened the door with faith. And it's not even your own faith. It's not, only, it's, not a, it's not even your own faith. It's the faith of the Son of God. You know, Paul said that. He said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's a perfect faith. That's a faith that works. You have a faith that works for every situation. Amen. That ought to be your confession every day you wake up. My faith works today. Hallelujah. It works for my benefit, and it works for others' benefit all, as well. Hallelujah. Now, look here. I wanted to bring this into our list of texts that we read from Psalms 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Can we read that together out loud? Ready? Read, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro. He's watching some things. He's wanting to show himself strong. He's looking for something. Notice it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be something that you can accept, O Lord, in your sight. In other words, he's looking for the acceptable things. He's looking at something he can receive. God wants to be able to receive your words. Amen. The words that are acceptable and received by God are words of faith. Amen. Now notice the two things in this scripture that go together. It's words and meditation of the heart. Meditation deals with your thought life. 
the windows of your soul or your eyes, right? And so your ears, your eye gates, your mouth gates, certain gates that belong to your body are gates that allow the entrance of the word to come in and produce light, illumination, and revelation to your spirit. Amen. So it's important that what you meditate on gets on the inside of you, right? Because what you're full of is what's going to come out of your mouth. You know, you go to the gas station, you pump the gas, and you're trying to get as full as you can because, you know, sometimes it clicks before it's time. You ever had the nozzle? It clicks before it should end, and you know you, you, you don't want to be cut short. You don't want to have a gallon too short. You want a full tank. How many like a full tank? Now, my wife's a little bit different. Sometimes she don't like to hang out at the pump long, so she'll put $25 in. That don't last too long. I like a full tank. I like to have enough to take me to where I need to go at any moment, right? But sometimes because I don't like it to click before it's time, I'll go a little more, and then it, what, what happens is it overflows out of the mouth of the gas tank, right? The same way it is with the Word of God as you meditate on the Word. Meditation is you, you getting in the Word and then the Word getting in you. And it gets so full on the inside of you that, you know, you don't want to stop before it clicks, right? You want it to get so full that it's just oozing out your mouth. And that's what happens. A good man, Matthew chapter 12, I believe it's over there where it says, a good man out of the good deposit of his heart or the good deposits he puts into his heart produces or brings forth good things. And in the same context of Scripture, you can study it out. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That means what you're full of is what's going to come out of your mouth. And that's how faith is released. And that's what we see the psalmist saying. He's saying, Lord, my Redeemer, let my words and let my meditations, which go together, be something that when you see it, you accept it. Why? Because when he sees it, what are his eyes doing? They're looking about so he can show himself strong. The only way God's going to show himself strong in your life, in your ministry, in your marriage, on the job, whatever pertains to your life, is going to be through the avenue of faith. That's how important faith is to you. The just live by faith. God can't show himself strong in your life just because he wants to. You have to permit him to. You have to let him do it. Now, he gives you the tools to do it. He said, the word is nigh you even in your mouth. And when the word comes out of your mouth, it permits God to see and accept what you say and to show himself strong in your life. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Now, go back over here to Mark 11 chapter 11, verse 22, and then we'll just read these two verses for time's sake. You remember when Jesus went to the fig tree, he cursed it. He was excited to come up to that fig tree because he was hungry. And uh, he got a little bit uh, perturbed. How many of you can agree that you would get perturbed as well? You expect a tree, a fig tree, 
Now, I'm not crazy about figs. I do like fig newtons, but I'm not crazy about figs all by themselves. But I guess that was the snack of the day. I'm not sure. Or that was what they fed upon. And Jesus seen the fig tree. He's hungry. And it's not producing. He wasn't in the mood for leaves. He wanted fruit. And so that tree was speaking to him. And that tree was speaking, uh, you know, not enough. You ever had things that just speak to you and it's saying, not enough. You're never going to have enough. (laughs) You're going to go hungry. And so what did Jesus do? He spoke back. He answered, in fact, the scripture tells us in its context, he answered the tree. (laughs) He's talking to a tree, right? So this is the first instance we see Jesus you know, speaking to a tree. I don't think there's any other place I've seen prior to this where he's talking to the woods. (laughs) But he talks to a tree, and he says, no man from this point on will ever eat from this tree again. He cursed it from the roots up. And then his disciples walked by it the next day and said, Master, the tree that you cursed, it's withered. It's dried up from the roots up. He dealt with it at the underground level. He dealt with the root of the problem. He cursed it, glory to God. And when he spoke the word, he didn't question his faith. He just went on his journey. And his disciples didn't understand faith. So they say, hey, it wasn't dead when you spoke to it, but it's dead today. And Jesus, when he spoke to it, that's when he considered it dead. But he decided to take this opportunity to explain to his disciples What exactly happened? So verse 22, he answered and said unto them, have faith in God. Or in a good side margin of your Bible, if you have one, it'll say have the God kind of faith or have the faith of God, right? This is, in other words, Jesus is saying, this is the faith of God. This is how it operates. This is what it looks like. Amen. Do you know that you can have the faith of God? It's not a humanistic faith. It's not a mind over matter type of faith. It's not a natural faith. It is a gift of faith. And Jesus saying, this is how it operates. Look at the very next verse here in verse 23. He said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now, I just want to say this because we're going to talk about this later, but notice it doesn't say pray. Now, you'll understand why I say this later. He didn't say whosoever shall pray unto this mountain. He said say. So this verse is not talking about prayer. He says, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass He, now I don't know if that's in red in your Bible, but if it's in red, that means Jesus is saying that. Not Brother Hagin. I don't know what color Brother Hagin would have in there for him, but it's it's not his book. It's not Kenneth Copeland. This is actually Jesus, the Son of God, saying this to you. He shall have whatsoever, he says. In other words, whatever's coming out of your mouth, that's what you're going to have. Now, you get a lot of people that say, well, you know, I tried that, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, and it didn't work for me. And I'd say to them, yes, it did. It just worked for you right there. The reason it's not working is because you keep saying it's not working. Now, see, that's how it works. Jesus says, whatever you say, that's what you're going to have, right? Can you say amen? And so notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, whatever you don't say, 
that's what you'll have or that's what you won't have. Some people say, well, I don't want to say anything bad. I don't want to say a bad confession, so I'm not going to say anything at all. Well, there comes a time when you're going to have to say something to the trials, to the things that come against you in life. You can't stay quiet. You can't sit around and just let things happen to you and think, well, I trust in God. I'm believing in God. So God will just have to do something. He's in control. That's a phrase a lot of people use, and that's a bumper sticker you see a lot of times. God's in control. But notice, it didn't say that God would say to the mountain. It didn't say that Jesus would say for you. It didn't say he was in control. In other words, he said, you have the faith of God. Now you do something with it. And he tells you how to do it. Open up your mouth and believe in your heart and say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. Come on. I know you've heard this, but we're going to have to get used to this. This is how we operate in our faith life. And if we believe those things which we say will come to pass, we will have whatever we say. Hallelujah. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, don't turn there. You don't have to. You can put it up there if you want. Verse 1, he said, be ye therefore followers of God. Another translation says, be imitators of God. Another translation says, mimic God. God has given you the permit to act like him. He's given you permission to act like him. I was watching a video, some, some golf videos of Tiger Woods. Everybody likes to watch him. They like to repeat his swing. Kind of impossible to do. But I ran across a video with his 11-year-old son. It was Tiger, and his name's Charlie Woods. And it's, it's interesting to watch the two of them. They were playing on a twosome together a team. And he's pretty good, 11-year-old kid. And it's amazing. Tiger's pretty good. But 11 years old, this kid is doing better than a lot of kids in college. It's, it's funny to watch, though, when they're standing over their ball, they look the same. They put their hand on the hip the same way. They put their hand on their hat the same way. Their movements are the same. And it's obvious that this young child has studied his father, studied his movements, probably watched his videos, studied the way he walks, studied some of his mannerisms, the way he talks, even some of his banter and his, you know, his gamesmanship and his, his, his uh, competitiveness and some of the things that they say to the people that they're playing against. He was saying some of those things to get under the skin of the other player, just like his father. Even the commentators were making mention of it. He looks just like his dad. And so I believe that as we study God and as we watch Jesus, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If we can take a good look at Jesus, watching him curse the fig tree, and then he says, have the faith of God. Doesn't it look like he's given you the license and the authority and the badge of authority and the faith to go ahead and do some of the same things that we see him do? He said, Come on, I don't know if this excites you. He said, if you believe on me, the works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. Now, see, I'm preparing you for 
being that glorious church that he's coming back for. I believe he's coming back soon. But I still think there's some things we've got to do. I think that we've got to get busy working miracles. We've got to get busy flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. We've got to be busy just expressing God's glory, healing the sick. We've got to be busy making money and being rich and funding the gospel. We've got to be busy and look like the prosperous, glorious church that he's coming back for. And to do that, it's going to take faith. So if it takes faith and he says, be imitators of me, what, what are we going to do? We're going to have to look at Jesus. We're going to have to look at the Father, and I don't have time to go in review, but even from the beginning at creation, and God said, and God said, we see that God used his very own words to create, to call things into existence, to set things in order. God's word established certain things. Can you do the same thing where when you speak the word of God, God's watching and looking for faith, and when he sees faith, he accepts that and shows himself strong in your life? Absolutely. Hallelujah. And so we know this. Romans chapter, uh, well, before you turn there, go, uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Hallelujah. Are you getting something out of this? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, he says, we, we, everybody say that's talking about you. How many believers we have in here? So this is talking about you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So there's, in other words, there's no excuses. You, you can't say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, not God. Well, obviously you're not God. We know that. But there's something that has some sameness and similarities that's in you that's just like the faith of Jesus. In fact, it's the same faith. Just like the faith of Daniel. In fact, it's the same faith. Just like the faith of Moses when he's put the Red Sea. Same faith right? It's not just a similar faith. It's not like that kind of faith. It says here, we have the same spirit of faith. As it is written, I believed, look here, therefore have I spoken, and therefore have I, uh, we also believe, and therefore speak. In other words, you cannot separate the two. In fact, this is the number one action or number one way to activate your belief through words. And I know some people will say, well, you know, faith without works is dead. James 2 verse 14, faith without works is dead. And that's true. But this is a work. This is an action. What? Speaking the word of God. That is the number one action when it comes to expressing your faith. Are there other ways that faith can be seen? Yes, but this is the primary way that we see faith being expressed. Now, James 2.14, I think it is verse 14. He said, faith without works is dead. You go into the very next chapter. He's not done talking. He talks that whole chapter about your words. 
He talks that whole chapter about your mouth and, and the tongue being like a bit or like a rudder. So what's he saying? He's describing the kind of works that need to activate the faith in your life. And if you're not speaking, your faith is dead. Whoa. That means my words matter. Say that out loud. My words matter. Say it again. My words matter. Now, Romans 5, verse 17. I, I think we left off here a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, but we'll pick up here. Romans 5, verse 17. Look here in the scripture what it says. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, I just love this scripture, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So you qualify. So that's talking about you. Those individuals that have received grace, not just grace, but abundance of grace, not just righteousness, but God's righteousness gifted to you, shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Underline that, score that right there, highlight it, reigning in life. That's what God wants you to do. Another translation says, they shall reign as kings in the earth. Hallelujah. Now, you say, well, I'm not a king. Well, according to the scripture, Revelations chapter 5, verse 10, look there real quick. Revelations chapter 5, they'll put it on the screen for you. Revelations 5, verse 10, I love this. And hast made us, he's talking about what he made us. He's made us unto our God kings and priests. We've been made kings and priests. I want you to see that. You're a king. You're a priest. You have some prominence about you. You, you have some clout when you step into a room. You're not just a nobody. You're not just like everybody else. You step in and you're crowned with righteousness and you've got abundance of grace. And that abundance of grace is just waiting for you to take your scepter. <laughs> and begin to rule with it and reign with it. And some things in life are reigning over you because you're not doing nothing about it. Sickness shouldn't reign over you. Poverty shouldn't reign over you. That's not the will of God. But for so many years, a lot of faith people that know faith, they're being ruled and reigned over with the curse in their life, and it shouldn't be so. There's nothing glorious about that. Come on, I'm preaching, teaching, whatever I'm doing, it's better than your amen. And <laughs> but this is some important stuff for you to hear. You've got to get some, some point in your life, you've got to get fed up when things are going in that direction and say, I'm done with this stuff taking its or having its way in my life. I'm going to take my position in this room of authority and do something about what's harassing me, this has to stop now. Amen. Now, Ecclesiastes 8.4 says this. Put it on the screen. I, you, if, you, if we wait for you to look it up, I can't get through my whole message. <laughs> and you want me to get through this whole thing, right? Ecclesiastes 8.4. I do want you to see it. If you can turn to it, it's sometimes good to see it in your own Bible or on your phone, but look what it says here. 
where the word of a king is, how many kings are in here? That's what he made you unto him. You're his king in this earth. Jesus is the king of, have you ever wondered who those kings were? That's you and I. It's not the king of England. It's not the queen of England. It's you. And where the word of a king is, there is power. Everybody say, I like that word power. It sounds good coming out. Power. In other words, you've got power. You've got authority. You've got the ability to speak and rule and reign according to what comes out of your mouth. Now, how does a king reign with his words? He doesn't uh, all of a sudden want a ditch dug or a canal built or a or bridge built and have to do that himself. He orders a decree. Right? Maybe he'll sign a decree, but it is a written, and before it's written, it's verbal, it's articulated, and it's decreed from the one in charge. I know that's the king, but I like to say that phrase right there, the one in charge. You have to ask yourself when things are going south, a direction you don't want it to go, who's going to be in charge? Are you going to let that circumstance be in charge? Are you going to take charge and set yourself the way he's called you like a king and get your word that carries power and decree an executive order? Amen. Because when a king declares an order, he's got, he may have servants, he may have military, he may have certain departments that go out and hearken to what he says and they get the job done. You, as a king, have the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Not only inside you, but around you. And you, my friend, have angels. What do they hearken to? They hearken to the word of God. Hallelujah. Well, where's that? It's so close to you. According to Romans 10, it's in your mouth. Hallelujah. God wants it in two places. He wants it in your heart, and he wants it in your mouth. Because when it's in your heart, that's what it overflows with, and that's where it overflows through the mouth. Right? And so when you begin to act like a king, the Holy Spirit, who's waiting for your words, gets an activation notice. In other words, he, he gets a, an executive notice as if it was from God himself. He don't look at you as the delivery man. He looks at the thing you're delivering. Some people say, well, I, I didn't have a good day today. I, I slipped up. I said such and such to somebody, and I'm, I, I just I don't feel like I'm living right enough for God to use me. The Holy Ghost is waiting for the word coming out of your mouth. Angels are waiting for the word. They're not looking at the delivery man as much as they're looking at the word coming out of your mouth and the righteousness that's in your heart. Hallelujah. It's not your own righteousness anyway. It's the righteousness of God that qualifies you and that has crowned you and given you the ability to rule and reign. Are you following me? Glory to God, this is good. I wish I had like six hours tonight. We could take six breaks, go to Caesar's Pizza, have some, or the yogurt shop or whatever's around us here. 
or just stay here and keep on going, but we won't. You wouldn't come back the next week. (laughs) But are are you following me? You can take charge. Now, let's, let's go over some phrases because last time we talked about this phrase. People say, well, you know, my bursitis is acting up or my my ulcers are flared up or my, you ever said that? I heard someone in the church just the other day. My, my, my sciatic nerve is, and, and then they claimed what it was doing. I'm thinking, did you not hear what I preached a couple Wednesday nights ago? Well, I did on YouTube. I heard it on YouTube. Is it, are you sure? Or were you feeding the dogs at that point? Because that's how comfortable you can get at home watching on YouTube. You can get distracted and start doing other things that you normally do and, and really miss out on a specific word you needed to hear. And what we had said was the word my, whatever you say after the word my, is what you claim. And so I was, we, I was golfing the other day because the Durants were down, Kevin and Annie, they were ministering at another church and they called and said, hey, let's go to lunch and, and, and would you be able to spend some time with us? So I did. I'm going to tell off on him because he one day he really ruined my golf game. He spoke a word and it got in my head and then it got in my mouth and it messed up. I was actually tied with him. I was golfing pretty good, but he, he did it on purpose so he could beat me. He didn't even need to do it. He's able to beat me anyway. So we're golfing, and he hits one in the, in the woods. He hits one, and he's not sure if he can find it. And so we're in the same cart together. He finds the ball, and he goes, that's got double bogey written all over it. And I thought, I, I'm going to get you. <laughs> I said, Kevin, imagine if everything you said out of your mouth came to pass. <laughs> and he looked at me like, you turkey. Because he knew that was right, and he knew I was playing one of his tricks. And guess what? At the end of that hole, guess what he got? Double bogey. (laughs) And do you know, that? that's the thought I want you to get. I'm just joking about that. But the thought I want you to get is this. Imagine if everything you said out of your mouth came to pass. Would you watch what you said? Would you pray that same prayer that the psalmist prayed? Father, let the words of my mouth be acceptable. In thy sight, O Lord, my strength. Would you pray that prayer? Would you keep guard? I mean, you know what would help some of y'all is to go back to that day where you got phones now, but if you could just string it around your neck so you couldn't take it off, some kind of recorder, and listen to you talk for a whole day, you would begin to realize why your day went the way it went. Because you are a product of what you said prior to that day. Your words are seeds. So what you're enjoying right now is a harvest of a seed that you sowed that came out of your mouth, whether good or bad, right? And I've heard this phrase, so going from the my, okay? I've heard this phrase before too. So can we, can we kill some old sacred cows, religious phraseology that people say a lot? And maybe you find yourself saying some of this. Well, you never know. You never know what happens. You know, you just better be ready. You never know. You could step outside that, that door and a bus could just run you over. It happened to a young kid. I know the other day I seen it and I knew him for years and he, he just stepped outside there and just got hit by the, it. You never know. Have you ever said that? Well, you just never know when your time's up. Well, you just never know. Well, can you give me scripture and verse where you never know? Because I can give you a number of scriptures 
and a number of verses. In fact, I'll give you some tonight about what we do know. And so here's where you need to be careful if you're watching your words. Never get to the place where you're speaking what you don't know. Speak what you know. Right? Let me give you a few verses, and hopefully you can keep up with me uh, on the screen. What do we know? Well, we know according to 1 John 3, 14, we know we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. We know that. We know according to 1 John 5, 14, 15, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we have desired of him. Is that a scripture about what we do know? So can we talk about what we do know instead of what we don't know? Because there are some things, if you get, if you get your words going in that direction, well, you never know. Well, you can fall into that trap of suspense, tragedy. Well, you're being a little bit particular with this kind of stuff. No, Jesus was particular with it and read when he said, you will have whatever you say. And if you get that ingrained in your way of thinking, well, you never know when your number's called or when your time's up. You know, it rains on the just, just like it does the unjust. <laughs> well, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Yeah, he does. He gives healing and he takes sickness. Problem is, you get a lot of religion in your thinking. You think the Lord's given sickness to you. Am I helping anybody here tonight? You say, well, you helped me with this before. Well, I'm going to help you with it again later on. We're never going to stop on this. This is how we live. Hallelujah. Well, are there other things that we know? Yeah, we know all things work together for the good uh, uh, to them that love God, right? We, we know this, that we have an unction from the Holy One, and we know all things. How about that, devil? 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. We have an unction from the Holy, Holy Ghost, from the anointing on the inside of us, and we know all things. If you find yourself, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I just don't know what's going to happen in my life. Quit saying that because you're only darkening your path. If you start saying, I do know because I got an unction on the inside of me, even if you don't have an understanding here, the knower on the inside of you is going to start illuminating and revealing some things about what you have, where you're headed, and, and things that belong to you. But you've got to get your words, come on, going in a direction that doesn't darken your understanding. You want your words going in a direction that bring light and enlighten your path. Is this helping you? So we do have some things we do know. I know this. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Right? It's John chapter 10, verse 27. There's things that we do know. And if it's in the scripture, even if you can't see what you know manifested in your life, that's what you've got to be saying. I pray this helps you. This is where a lot of us are right now. We've got, we've got this area in our life where we're undecided and we, we don't know whether we should do this or that. And so we've got to get our words lined up with what we do know. Well, pray for me, Pastor. You know, I've got to make some major decisions, and I just don't know what to do. There you go. I'll pray for you, but you keep saying, I don't know what to do, so you're untying the shoe. If the shoe was prayer, your laces were prayer, and we tied it up. Every time you say, well, I just don't know what to do, you're untying the shoe. 
And what happens when you walk around with your shoes untied? Someone steps on it and you get tripped up. And that's what's happening to a lot of believers, good-hearted, loving Christians, pray, read their Bible every day, raise their hands and worship God, still getting tripped up because the devil knows if he can trip you up with your mouth, then he can gain entrance into your life. Come on, somebody. I'm looking at the clock. (laughs) But we've got to realize that these are areas of deception. We, we, we allow these, these areas to kind of, we permit these things to come out of our mouth thinking, it'll be all right, I didn't really mean that. Well, if you walk around with seed and you're planting rows of corn and you accidentally have some watermelon seed in that same bag, it doesn't matter if you meant to sow that watermelon seed or not, you're going to have corn, 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 watermelon. Right? Because whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So you want to be very on guard. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it, which is connected to your mouth, flows the issues of life. And so it's so important because what you say is going to determine how you're going to come out of what's coming against you. Hallelujah. Amen? Job 22, verse 28. Can I give you this? This is some good stuff. Hallelujah. Job chapter 22, verse 28. And then I'll give you a few more scriptures. I don't think I'll get through all of these. Hallelujah. Okay, look here. It says, Thou shall also decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee and the light shall shine upon your ways. You want what you're saying to bring light. You don't want to add darkness to a darkened understanding. You say, well, I don't know in my understanding what I'm supposed to do. Decree what you do know. Romans 4 says to call those things that be not as though they were. You've got to be bold about, this is what a king does, about decreeing a thing, establishing some things. In your, you've got to make this establishment in your life. I am healed. I will never be sick again in my life. Sickness and disease will not take me out. It will not rule and reign in my body. Poverty won't rule in my life. I'll never be broke another day again in my life. I keep increasing more and more. And what, what you're doing is you're boldly decreeing that over your life. And you're, you're creating an establishment. I got a home where I live, and that's my establishment. I also got a home in the spirit where I live. In other words, this is what I settle with in my life. I'm healed, not sick. I'm rich, not poor. I'm delivered, not bound. I'm joyful, not depressed. I decree that I will not and choose not and refuse to ever be any of the curse. If he's redeemed me from the curse, then I'll never go back to it in the name of Jesus. So by faith, I decree who I am, what I want, what I believe just like a king would. And if it enters in, 
If something comes into your establishment that don't belong there, just like if you, you come breaking into my house at night, that would be a big mistake. Because if I can't see you, you better expect what I'm armed with to treat you in a way that's going to deliver you from this earth and translate you into another king because I have an establishment that I'm not allowing critters in. I'm not allowing the curse in. I'm not allowing sickness in. Would you do that with your natural establishment? Yes. You've got to do the same thing with what you've got established in your spirit. I'm not letting any skunk of disease come in in the name of Jesus and that includes COVID. And every variant from Brazil all the way to what other <laughs> California, whatever, you don't belong here, right? Yeah, can you do that? Yes, glory to God. You have the ability to decree a thing. And what you say, let me just say this, what you say is either going to bring light or it's going to bring Darkness, it'll add darkness to a darkened path. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know? Where, you, you know, I, I've been there before. I, I, I don't know what the next step is. Lord, show me what the next, I've been there before. I don't know what my next decision is supposed to be. Uh, help me, I pray, Lord. You ever done that? I, I, I just pray, Lord, that I would know or whatever you pray. Well, we have some scriptures that we do know that we can decree that will bring light to a darkened understanding. And like in the, in the natural, it's darkened. You don't have your mind illuminated as to what God has for you. We've all been there before, but he reveals them how? Through light. How does light come? Through the decree out of your mouth. What are you going to decree? You're going to decree and establish what you do know in the scripture. Let me give you some scriptures that'll help you. Because uh, I've heard this. This is another phrase. Can I give you phrase number three tonight? And maybe you've said this. I even had someone come up uh, during, I think it was around June, come up to me and said, just was, was just crying. And it was very sincere and said, Pastor, I just, I used to hear the voice of God, but I can't hear the voice of God. Have you ever been there before? It's like I, I've went through seasons and it's like it was so clear to me and I've, this is what this person was just pouring out. It was clear to me, but I've, it just seems dry and every time I'm praying, I don't hear back from God. I can't hear God. And so I'm thinking, well, there's a good reason why you can't hear from God because you keep saying that. And I told that individual, stop saying that. And if you come to my church and you said under, we're going to be faithful to tell you and help you. Now, I've learned this, and I was telling my younger son this. I said, you know, because somebody was trying to correct him, not in the church, but just correct him in a way and was kind of pointing out, you know, faults and stuff like that. I remember we had nursery workers years ago that would attend to our kids, and they would treat them like, well, they, they're on an authority trip, kind of. They were glad they had authority, and the way they treated kids was mean, like a taskmaster. I'm thinking, don't ever correct my kid if you don't love him, especially if you don't love him the way I love him. So, and and I, I was telling Roman that the other day. I said, anytime you try to correct someone, make sure you love them or just keep your mouth shut. 
Because even if your correction is in truth, the spirit of it's wrong if you don't love the person. And see, you've got to be careful. You don't just listen to everybody. Well, they're preaching the word. Well, if, if the attitude of it's wrong, the spirit of it's wrong, that makes it wrong. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Well, this person, and in, in all love and compassion out of my heart, I'm trying to help them. I wasn't trying to hurt them. I wasn't being a confession police. In other words, if you're going to be the confession police over someone and point out their confessions and not spend time to love them and help them and give them understanding of what you're talking about and really spend time with them, then don't say nothing at all. Just judge yourself. Right? Because that's not your job. You don't wear a cap and a siren every time you hear a bad confession. Don't say that. <laughs> well, this person did, and they, you know, they received me as their pastor. I said, you, you have to stop saying that. That's your number one reason why it's clouding your spiritual ears. It's darkening your, your spiritual enlightenment understanding and your ability to hear from God because your words are decreeing what brings darkness. These words decree what's bring, what brings light. What? The entrance of the word, of the word of God, what does it bring? Light. So when you don't know in the natural or don't hear from God, I can't hear from God, start saying the word. Start speaking the word and it will bring clarity. It'll bring light and you'll begin to hear. Right? So what can you say? Well, John 10's a good start. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and the way of the stranger they will not go. That's what you do know. I am a sheep. And because I'm a sheep, I hear his voice. How many sheep do we have in here? You're part of the fold, right? You're, you have a shepherd. His name's Jesus, right? He's the good shepherd. Will he lead you? Will he guide you? Will he direct your steps? Absolutely. Do we have scriptures about that? So we know that because the word says some things, right? Psalms 27 verse 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Could you say that? Even if you don't have the understanding of those steps, can you bring light? Yeah, through your decree that my steps are ordered of God. I'm a good, righteous man. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, and my steps are being ordered by God. By you decreeing that, what you're doing is your faith is paving the way for a Holy Ghost GPS to direct you exactly where he wants you to go. Sometimes we don't know here because if we did, it wouldn't require any faith to follow it. And you might not follow it at all because it would be bigger than what this can really handle right in all your ways saw uh, proverbs 3 6 acknowledge him and he shall direct my path can we degree, decree that he's directing my path well yeah but you don't know which way you're going no he's i do he's directing my path by faith i know he's directing my path i'm his sheep Hallelujah, and I hear his voice. He's directing my path. My steps are ordered of God. Hallelujah. In fact, Psalms 23 says, He restoreth, he restoreth my soul, right? He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So he's leading me in the right path in Jesus' name. In fact, the Bible tells us the way of the righteous is made plain. 
Could you not confess that my way, the ways I'm supposed to go in, is made clear and plain to me? I know exactly what to do. People say, no, you don't, or you'd be doing it right now. By faith, I know exactly what I'm to do. How do you know that? Because the word says I'm righteous. And if the word says I'm righteous, then my way is made plain. Hallelujah. Are you getting something out of this? Now, let me give you one more scripture. We'll stop here. Luke chapter 4, verse 38. Luke chapter 4, verse 38 and verse 39. Just to help you out with this, we see Jesus again dealing with something. It says he arose out of the synagogue. He entered into Simon's house, and Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. Now, this is Luke. He's a physician, okay? So when he says a great fever, this isn't just a 99.9. This this mother-in-law probably was delirious. This probably was something greater than any fever you've experienced. I mean, this probably topped what you had if you had COVID. (laughs) You know, this was a great fever, and they besought him for her. Now look at verse 39. He stood over her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her, And immediately she arose and she ministered to them. Now notice that. He spoke to a fever. And the fever listened to him. He, did did the fever hear him? Did the fever leave? He speaks to the fever. The fever lives. Now, I thought about this. If a fever will listen to Jesus, then a fever will listen to me, right? So if a fever will listen to me, will arthritis listen to me? Will the flu listen to me? Will cancer listen to me? Will uh, ulcers, you know, all all these different things, you, you just name it, will it listen to you? Does it have to listen to you? If it had to listen to Jesus, then it has to listen to you. Now, when I got revelation of this, man, it's like I'm touching all kind of things and saying all kind of stuff to certain things that don't belong on my body. And I believe some of you could go home and do some things to yourself, right? Because if we can do the works of Jesus and Jesus speaks to a fever and the fever it has to get out and go because that's what it did, then the same results have to work for you. We, uh, and I, I'll give you this illustration, this thought, this story, and then I'll stop, okay? We had this young lady in our church years ago. I think it was about 2008, 2009. She had this large tumor, and it was in her, I think, uterus, right? And they, they were concerned with it being cancer. And so she came up. She had scheduled for surgery. And, uh, you know, the Lord was, we had this revelation. We seen Jesus do this. And we had been seeing things even in Costa Rica. We just got back. This lady had a tumor the size that we thought she was pregnant laid hands on her, spoke to that thing, commanded it to go. And it was like her dress looked like a, <laughs> a blanket on her by the time that tumor just disappeared. It boogied. It took off. I'm thinking he's the same God in Costa Rica here in America. You know, and I know there's greater expectancy in some places in different nations because we're too distracted. But, you know, we'd been building up, you know, hope and expectation and 
preaching faith. And she come up. She said, I, I want this thing to go. We laid hands to her. And we, I spoke to that thing. And I dried it up from the roots. I remember speaking to that. You remember that as well. And we cursed it. And I said, I command you in Jesus' name to dry up from the roots. Well, for whatever reason, you know, she decided to go through with the surgery. And when they went in, to, it's just amazing. When they went into surgery, they opened her up and found that thing completely like a deflated balloon. The skin of it was there, but it had detached on its own and it had dried up from its roots and completely, in other words, she didn't have to have the surgery. But it was kind of cool because it, it really illuminated her eyes to see Wow, it started just like it did with the fig tree. A spoken word spoke to that thing and killed it from the roots. Even the doctor got to see and was amazed. And we're going to start seeing more of that stuff. I said, we're going to start seeing more of that stuff in Jesus' name. Do you believe, do you believe that could happen for you? Sure. And so you've got to meditate on this stuff. Get this stuff so big on the inside of you so you realize that the sword coming out of your mouth, it's a two-edged sword, it, there's an edge for you and there's an edge for your mountain. There's, there's an edge to bless you and there's an edge to knock things out of your life that are in your way. In Jesus' name, amen? And so don't ever get to the place where you're saying, Lord, I just pray you'd move this mountain for me. You know, I'm just, it didn't say anything about prayer. It says everything about saying, hallelujah. Did you get something out of that? We're not beggars, are we? We're kings. And we're priests, and we've been made kings unto him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Put your hands to heaven and just worship Jesus. Father, we thank you. Oh, we're just so thankful for your word. Hallelujah. We've, we're, we're so full tonight. We're satisfied with like we've received a good meal tonight. We're, we're digesting that, and it's in our spirit and just getting so big on the inside of us. We see ourselves walking in the blessing and manifesting your glory all in the earth. And it's because of the faith that you put on the inside of us that accesses the grace, the abundance of grace that you've supplied to us. And we give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, give God a big shout tonight.